Hi, friends. Zach Walker welcoming you to another episode of the Intentionally Inclusive Podcast, a place for all of us to come together and learn about and celebrate the things that make us unique and in the process to uncover all the things that bring us together. We have a great episode planned today with some awesome guest hosts, but before we get to them, a little bit about the topic we'll be discussing today. If you didn't know, and you might not, July in the United States is Disability Pride Month, and July 26th is both Americans with Disabilities Day and National Disability Independence Day. This is an important topic for us to talk about because people with disabilities make up the largest and most diverse minority group within the United States and in the world at large, And included in the group are people of all ages and races, ethnicities, genders, orientations, religions, and socioeconomic backgrounds. The concept of disability pride is all about accepting and honoring each person's uniqueness and seeing it as a natural and beautiful part of the human diversity. Disability Pride Month is used to promote visibility and mainstream awareness of the positive pride felt by people with disabilities, and it's been celebrated in the United States ever since 1990 when it started in the city of Boston. This topic has become extra important for me this month because of my brother Kyle, who is uh, my youngest brother, and he's a person with disabilities. He has muscular dystrophy, and he's been a wheelchair user for most of his life. And so in learning about this topic, it's given me the opportunity to connect with Kyle in new ways and through him with the larger community of people with disabilities. And so whether you are a person with a disability or you know and love someone with a disability, we hope this will do the same for you. Okay, so uh, with that out of the way, let's uh, bring our guests online. So our first exciting guest host for the month is Karen McClendon, and she is our Vice President and Chief Human Resources Officer. Karen, thanks so much for being here today. It's good to see you. Great to see you as well, and it's really, really exciting to be here. Uh, And she said, uh, you know, the topic is really important to you, and this one is one that's very important to me as well. And um, I just have to kind of say what I've been saying for the last uh, 90 days, because I'm just past 90 days with paychecks now. You're a veteran now. I am, I am, I am. (laughs) But I'm feeling really good about uh, the decision to join this organization. It is such a fantastic organization. It's been a really fun uh, 90 days, and I'm just looking forward to the next, uh, you know, uh, let's say 90 years. Yeah, okay. (laughs) 90 years, I get it. I'm only uh, 16 years in, but I I can do another 74 for sure. Absolutely, of course. (laughs) I love the way you quickly did that math. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Great. So um, our next guest is Liliana Fernandez, and Liliana is a client service manager in Lehigh Valley. Liliana, how are you today? Good. How are you? (laughs) Great. Thank you so much for being here. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes. um, I've been with Paychex a a little longer than Karen, uh, going on uh, 15 and a half years now with Paychex, started in in diapers. Um, and, um, you know, approaching my teenage years now, so I'm getting ready to graduate from high school. Um, but, <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, very excited to be here. Very excited to be on this podcast. Um, inclusion is very, very important to me for a variety of different reasons. Um, and this topic is very, very near and dear to my heart as well. Oh, that's great. So that's actually a really great segue. So kind of an open question to everybody here. So why, why is this topic so important to you? For me, it is a couple of different reasons. Well, two primary differently reasons. Um, one is uh, I am married to um, an individual who has um, ADHD. Mm. Um, so that is something that we, we deal with. And it might not be um, something that is considered 
overall a disability because sometimes we look at that neuro neurological pieces um, as as being a little bit less um, when really a lot of it is is equal when we're talking about disabilities right there's there's a variety of different disabilities um, but I'm also a mom um, a special needs mom I have a son who is on the severe side of the spectrum for autism uh, he is six years old uh, we were um, very lucky enough to have a great group of doctors behind us, um, encouraging us at a very young age to get him tested and get him on the right path. Um, and so it's been a um, very long and um, but curious and patient journey of learning and of pro progress uh, for him and for us. So um, those are the two main reasons why this is very important for me. I love that. What's your son's name? My son's name is David, which is the same as my husband. Oh, okay. So you've got David. and Do you call them both David yep. or is it David and DJ, David Jr.? Um, my, my husband is David and my son, I call him David Kennedy, um, which is his middle name. Oh, very so nice. David Kennedy, DK for short. Oh, very nice. I love it. So, Karen, how about you? So, um, you know what? I am uh, very much like uh, Liliana in that uh, it is extremely important to me. And, and as you stated already as well, it's important to you. And I think, you know, these these kind of uh, issues really allow us to kind of rally around um, causes that are really important to us. And this one is definitely one for me. Um, I uh, have uh, kind of shared my story at various points, uh, even being here at Paychex, but I have a uh, sibling. So my older sibling, uh, her name is Connie, and Connie is about, uh, I think, about eight years older uh, than I am, and she was born with a cognitive um, uh, disability. And it's been quite, quite uh, impactful for the family and for her and certainly for me being the younger sibling, kind of seeing that. So, uh, you know, part of what that, you know, has uh, kind of uh, taught me over years is how important it is to be inclusive. And when you're not, the impact of it, um, you know, seeing it through the eyes of a child that is kind of growing up with the older sibling. So, uh, you know, what I, what I will say is I know it was extremely important to my parents. I'm sure it's important to any parent who has a child with a disability. You want only the best for them, you know, when they're children, but also in their adult life. And I certainly saw that in my parents and, you know, it was something that they instilled in all of us as siblings, you know, make sure you always take care of, of Connie. And so I knew that at a very young age, probably three or four, you know, you know, at that time, not really understanding all the implications, but it became pretty clear as I was growing up. So if I'm, if I'm uh, eight and she's 16, I, I um, shared already that I grew up on a farm, so we would catch the bus to school. Uh, and so I didn't see her in high school, but I would see her when we were both on a bus ride home. And, you know, at eight years old, you're able to see how people are treating her. Either they're being nice and inclusive and saying, hey, Connie, sit with me. And she's having a wonderful day because she wants to be accepted and included. Uh, or those days when people choose to call her names and they're cruel. And, you know, I, I vividly remember someone taking her purse and they're just like passing it around on the bus. And she's very, very upset about it, you know, and, and just feeling very uh, powerless to do anything because you're eight years old. 
adult and you know everyone is so much older than you are so you can't really be in that protection mode um, but then I, I see what happens when she comes home and I see the pain on my parents face be, uh, because they can't be there at all times either so it just really helps you to really have compassion and understanding for people who are different and wanting to celebrate those differences as opposed to making them opportunities for people to be exclusive um, in a way that's very hurtful so for me it's it's it is very very personal um, I will tell you that this has a very happy ending and then my sister uh, grew up and she married someone who also has a cognitive uh, disability they've been married for many 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 years they're wonderful wonderful uh, people and I'm now a uh, guardian of her and so uh, while I couldn't be protective of her in my younger years I'm certainly able to do it now and I really enjoy the responsibility immensely and I take it very seriously yeah it's it's interesting because we come at it, we both have a sibling with a disability. My brother Kyle also has cognitive disability as mm -hmm. well. And you come at it from the perspective of a younger sibling, and I'm the oldest sibling. And yes. so Kyle is 12 years younger than me. So oh, growing okay. up, I often felt almost like a second father. So, you know, I was mm -hmm. very protective of him. And we went through some similar things. We mm -hmm. were never actually in school together at the same time, except for, I think, maybe my senior year of high school and mm -hmm. his first year of kindergarten. Uh, but it's it's really been kind of my life's mission to make sure that Kyle feels included and make sure that he feels just the same as everybody else in the family. You know, Absolutely. we, my family's very close still. I have two other siblings and we still spend a lot of time together. We just went on a small vacation together and the vacation is a big part of the vacation is figuring out, okay, what are things that we can do so that we can all do them together? You exactly. Know, there are things, you know, if he's using a wheelchair, maybe we can't go to the beach and that's fine. We'll all hang out in a place that we can be together. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think you have described it, you know, uh, exactly as I try to describe it to everyone else is you want to be included. They want to be included yeah. as well. And so you do have to look for those opportunities and take advantage of them. And they're often, you know, very much uh, teachable moments for everyone. So yes. I, uh, I, I definitely kind of go the extra mile just like you do in making sure that they both feel very included and loved and cared for. Yeah. Yeah, and just part of the family. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think one thing that has been very important for Kyle is he, so my mother is his guardian and he lives with her. But, and we've had many conversations about, you know, what happens in the near future and, you know, which of us will, will take on that role. And we're all kind of eager, eager to jump in and help wherever we can. But I think one of the most important lessons I've learned um, from Kyle is to always include Kyle in conversations. So we don't ever speak about Kyle. We speak with Kyle. And we have those conversations as a family together. Mm -hmm. I, I I cannot agree more. Uh, I think, you know, um, in any situation like that, they really want to be a decision maker, just like all of us want to be decision makers yep. as well. So you do have to include them in the in the process and it gives them a sense of pride and belonging. Yeah, Very absolutely. Important. Yes. Yeah, we're doing the same thing with David. Even though he doesn't have many words, we definitely try to keep him a part of the conversation and even offering options like, mm -hmm. what do you want to eat today? Is it pizza mm -hmm. or is it meatball sandwich? Mm -hmm. And and making sure that he feels like, yeah, I'm the decision maker. I get mm -hmm. to decide yes. what I eat today. So it just gives them a little bit of, of that um, individualistic um, responsibility in a way. And, and it's, it's great to see their progress even when they're, when they're talking to you and, and giving you that, those words and they feel so proud of themselves. It, it, it's obviously one of the best feelings in the world to keep them included. Yeah, absolutely. So in, in your experiences with your family members, has the topic of disability pride ever come up? 
It's interesting for me. I will I will share even in in all of my research and everything. Um, you know, the disability pride. This I think this year was the first time I had heard it. Mm, me too, actually. Um, and and kind of going through those pieces, and I even had to to read a little bit into it, and you know, learned what what the significance of it is, which is tied to you know the ADA, the Americans Disability Act, mm-hmm. and when it came out, and and that celebration of it. Um, but I think it's amazing. I, I think it's definitely one of those things. And I mean, we see glimpses maybe of disability pride, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially when we're thinking of the the Olympics and like the, the Special Olympics yes. when they come out, and mm-hmm. and it's like. It, it is a moment of pride, but I feel like we don't get to experience it that often or get to focus on it that often. And I thought it was an amazing discovery for me to see that that was what July was, was all about the pride of that disability, regardless of if it's physical, if it's cognitive, if it's neurology uh, related or whatever the case may be. Um, it's a sense of pride and it brings unity regardless of the condition, the disability, or in some cases, even ability, because some, some of those disorders and, and pieces, some people, as they grow older, don't want to be referred that way even, but the pride of it is still there. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that struck me is, um, similarities to the LGBTQIA pride movement, which we talked about on this podcast last month. Mm -hmm. Little plug, if anybody out there is listening to this and hasn't listened to that, go check it out. It's our first one, so be kind. It was great. (laughs) I I did listen to it. It was was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Thank you. Mm -hmm. It's, I'm, it's a little bit of a tangent, but I'm just so grateful to be somewhere where these types of conversations are valued and, and encouraged. And it just means so much to me to be able to talk about all of this. Yes. But with um, pride, just the concept of being able to be who you are and celebrate who you are regardless, I think is just, it's wonderful. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, I, I think pride is a concept that we all can have in our, our uniqueness and in what makes us special and in what brings us together too. Yes. You know what? I, the the uh, the topic of disability pride has not come up in my family, but I am elated, just like the two of you, that it uh, is a, it's a movement now and it's something that we can really rally around and it's unifying. Um, and, and it's educational, which, uh, you know, I think a lot of people just don't know kind of what to say or how to help or, you know, what it means to include or they don't really understand the impact of their actions or their words. Uh, and so I think, you know, deep down, most of us want to do the right thing. We just may not know how to do the right thing. And so I, I love the idea that uh, that this is coming about. And I think it'll just get more and more powerful over the, over the years. Yeah, I agree. I think that's it's a really cool concept. So Liliana, a, a moment ago, you mentioned... Um, your husband with ADHD, and you sort of introduced the concept. I don't think you used the word, but um, something we wanted to talk about today was neurodiversity. Can you talk a yeah. little bit about that and kind of what that means to you? That is um, near and dear to my heart for a variety of different reasons, and I think neurodiversity covers a a broad base of of different ideals and and thought processes. Um, and every day, I learn a little bit more about it, or or little puzzle pieces click for me a little bit more. But when we're talking about neurodiversity, um, and we we think of um, things like um, disabilities. I mean, you're, you're, you're have that wide range of um, things that maybe some people consider mental health, but they really aren't mental health. So when you consider ADHD, um, when you consider um, something like um, 
autism when you consider something like Asperger's, um, which is a, a variety, a, a variation of, of autism. Um, Tourette's syndrome um, is another one. Um, dyslexia, even. Yeah. Um, so Excellent these point. are some of these conditions that your brain processes differently. Um, and, and it's interesting. I was actually in a conversation um, with, with someone a little earlier today. Um, and she was saying, hey, I have an idea for you for when we go to cover, um, you know, one of one of our topics with diversity and inclusion. And here in the Lehigh Valley, we always are having different topics every month. And she said, being lefty. And I said, OK, tell me more. I'm lefty. So what about being lefty? And she's like, you know, the notebooks. And we went, started talking about everything that's created more for a righty. And, you know, I gave the example, my dad is a lefty and um, my dad uh, learning in his youth to play guitar, there were no lefty guitars. Um, and very similar to, I believe it's Jimi Hendrix, who is lefty as well. You have to reverse the guitar and you have to flip the strings. That's how you learned how to play. Um, and so I was, we were talking a little bit about that and, and it clicked for me. I'm like, huh, being lefty is part of that neural diversity. Um, your brain, it, it's just a flip in your, in your brain. Your right side of your brain is controlling versus your left side of the brain. And that's why they say that people that are lefty um, are a little bit more creative um, in that scenario because the left side of your brain or your right side of the brain uh, controls something different than your left. So they always talk about those differences when you're, when you're right-sided of your brain or you're left-sided. And that even in itself is a very small piece of neurodiversity. So it is a wide range um, that it covers. Uh, but, you know, a, a good chunk of that are different disorders and disabilities um, and just differences in ways of life, even with, with the concept of autism. Um, you know, I, one of the things as parents, you know, we always go through Autism Speaks and, and we go through different organizations and nonprofits that help parents um, not only cope with how to assist their child in growing up, but really learn about what it is and, and how you can be useful to your community. Um, but you also start to learn of, of different concepts of, you know, when, what about if the person is autistic and, and that autistic adult and what does that look like and how do they feel? Um, and it's interesting to see that perspective because, you know, they, they don't feel like it's a disability. It's a way of life for them. It, it's just a difference. And it's almost like that concept of being lefty and righty, right? Um, you know, I'm lefty. And when I was growing up, um, my mom tried to make me eat with my right hand and tried to um, make me try to write with my right hand because that's what she knew. And that's what the way my dad was even, you know, taught. My dad can write with his left, but everything else he does with his right because it was, it was a forced behavior because this is the right way of doing it. And it's not. It's not. And, and even something as simple as being lefty to righty is just something that is part of our neurodiversity and, and our connection. Um, so it's interesting. I get to learn a little bit more every time about neurodiversity. And, um, you know, at my home, it's, it's all about patience, um, whether it's with my husband and, and his ADHD. And, um, you know, sometimes we will be having a conversation and he's going into another conversation and I have to sit back and go, where, tell me about your thought process. How did you get to that? And nothing we were watching or talking about 
click to that and, and just learning about what, what got you to that point. And, you know, even, even with a, a list of, of chores, for example, it's, it's about learning that person and what works best for that person. And how do you connect better? We use a lot of calendar reminders versus me in the morning saying, hey, honey, I have a honeydew list for you. I need you to do X, Y, and Z, and then coming home and finding out that maybe half of X was done and that's it. Um, you know, we, we resort a lot to calendar and calendar appointments and calendar reminders, which is very much the way I operate at work is how I operate at home um, to be able to ensure that we're progressing forward with anything that we need. And, and it's all about communication and patience and, um, you know, being able to be open to new approaches and new ideas. I love that. I love one of the important things I think you mentioned is asking questions and asking clarifying questions. And that's something that really everybody can do. I, I was reading a story today uh, about a woman. So it's a woman and a man in a relationship together and the man has autism. And they went on vacation together before they were living together. And when they got back, they weren't living together, but the man called his girlfriend and said, hey, something's, something's going on, and I feel, I feel kind of strange because you were here all the time, and now you're not here all the time. And so the, the woman spoke to her boyfriend, and she said, I think maybe you miss me. <laughs> and, and, and he said, yeah. Oh, yeah, but he was someone who hadn't been able to express emotive concepts and emotional, emotional concepts like that. Yeah, and that happens. That, that definitely happens. It's funny, um, you know, you sometimes see on TikTok, like, for parents, like do this and see how your child reacts. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting when you see stuff to that, to that effect, because not every child is typical, not every child is neurotypical. And, and so, um, you know, at one point I, I tried it with, with my son, one of those, those TikTok fads and I didn't get anything (laughs) out of it. And I'm like, Oh, well, this is disappointing. And I'm like, I had to step (laughs) back and say, well, wait a minute, that's, a neurotypical child, my, my child is not neurotypical. So if I'm yep. upset and if, it, you know, it's funny how they process those, those emotions. If my husband is upstairs and I'm downstairs and we're trying to yell a conversation to each other, um, my son reacts. My son reacts. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like when we scream at each other, even mm-hmm. though we're not having an argument. We're just honestly just trying to, you know, speak to each other through a wall and, and a pair of stairs. But, um, you know, he doesn't react. But if I'm upset and I am crying, my son just looks at me and that's it. Like there's no hug. There is no wiping of the tears. There is no, mm-hmm. no nothing. So it's, it's interesting to see that, that processing process hmm. in a way. You know, it's, it, it is interesting. Uh, I, I love the example that you used with the left-handed uh, individual. Um, I've got two siblings who are left-handed. And, and you're right. Years ago, you know, that the thing to do was to kind of force you to revert to using your right hand. Uh, and they are, they are different. Uh, fortunately, you know, we kind of got past that. And they are now operating as left-handers and, you know, very, very well doing so. But I also have a son um, who does process information differently. And uh, it, was, it was tough. It's a lot of trial and error before we kind of figured out the, the kind of magic combination for him all through kind of elementary school till we kind of got to high school and then, you know, trying to select the appropriate college for him. And once we did get it right, you know, once we kind of did uh, the, the right match there, he just excelled 
you know, uh, unbelievably so, uh, yeah. you know, in, in comparison to how he did before we could really understand how it, how it worked for him. But it was just recognizing that he thinks a little bit different than the rest of us. He processes a little bit differently than the rest of us, but we can celebrate that and he'll be just fine with the right resources and support. And, you know, he graduated uh, summa cum laude, you know, oh, because it congrats. was, yes, Amazing. he got it. We got it right, you know. Better than um, I did, <laughs> and me too, for for, for that matter. Um, but I, I I love uh, kind of hearing the the uh, the example that you use with your son, and the fact that you are asking questions and exercising patience. And I think it's always a learning opportunity for for us and for them. Yeah, yeah. and it translates. Yeah, you can't. It translates. Mm-hmm. That patience translates. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I wouldn't Absolutely. be the leader that I am today if I didn't have that at home and and didn't have that that patience practice and that conversational practice and those those clues on how to work with someone differently and you know it takes us right back to to what we're talking about with disabilities and the fact is like some of those disabilities can be physical and can be visible and some yes. of those disabilities yes. are are that neurodiversity space which are invisible and really right. we may not know and and you know we we come back to that that pride right we would we want everybody to be proud of of who they are and yes. what they have overcome in their lives um and those additional abilities sometimes that they gain in other perspectives for the disability that they have um and whether it be physical or mental mm-hmm. um or not mental neurological um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and kind of going through the, all those pieces but you know the invisible disabilities are just as important um if not more important to to relate to and to recognize and and to even start with curiosity as we talk about with diversity and inclusion Mm -hmm. we always talk about respect and starting from curious and you know i think it's Mm -hmm. important and especially as a leader you never know what a person may may be holding back and may not be proud of or may not be willing to share um and the last thing you want is to have somebody who feels uncomfortable because they don't want to share that they have a disability um, because they're just not there yet in their skin in the comfort to be proud of who they are and what they've overcome. That's right. And mm-hmm. I'd include in, in that neurodiverse category things like anxiety and depression mm-hmm. and those other uh, invisible disabilities for sure. Yeah, I, I love the um, the idea of just being curious. Uh, I think um, even in my sister's case, uh, she is keenly aware of a, a person who wants to be in her presence and um, is kind of asking the questions and she will answer the questions and feel included and comfortable. Um, and even if, um, you know, the individual is not asking questions, she knows who is kind of willing and interested in mm-hmm. being around her. And so she naturally gravitates to those people who yeah. she thinks, hey, you know, this is uh, kind of a friendly, yeah. um, so to speak. And uh, I think you do make people kind of understand that you have that curiosity and that you're interested when you do ask those questions and you make it make it clear that you know you want to celebrate differences and people see that in you in terms of what how you prioritize and kind of how you operate as a as a leader as a colleague as a co-worker um, and as a family member yeah. yeah my brother is is similar you know he you can tell who is really interested in having a conversation with him and getting to know him because they'll make eye contact with him and they'll address him directly instead of talking about him to someone else or they'll respect the limits that he has. So, for example, I've noticed that a lot of people with someone in a wheelchair have a tendency to touch that person a lot. You might put your hand on their shoulder or sometimes on their head and that is something that can make people intensely 
uncomfortable. So knowing Kyle and knowing what his limits are and knowing what he's comfortable with and what he's not comfortable with is, is very important. Um, it's kind of like, um, you know, talking about with your son, I think the image that came to mind for me is that that old uh, analogy about square pegs and round holes. You know, not everybody fits into the same box. Um, and actually, Liliana, when you were talking about uh, people who are left-handed, something else that that brought to mind for me is, so I'm right-handed, and I'm aware of some of the things that left-handers have to deal with. You know, you, we all have, I think, the picture of the left-hander with graphite on their hand from when their you know hand goes across the paper that they've written on. Um, oh, I had but, many years of that. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. But for me, as somebody who is right-handed, I, it's not always front of mind to think of, okay, what is something that somebody who is left-handed goes through? And I think you can make that wider, you know, widen the circle. And something that's very important to do is to try to put yourself in the mindset of other people who might experience the world differently or who might have different needs around you and include those people in your thought process and also in any kind of planning that you're doing. If you ever want to know what it feels like, you can grab a spiraled notebook and you can flip it to the last page and try to write on that back side of that last page when that spiral hmm. coil is sitting on your right hand. Huh. That's what okay. it feels like every day to be a lefty when you're at school and the schools require for you to, to either write your notes in a binder or write your notes in a spiraled notebook. That, that hmm. pain that, you go, that you're going to feel when you're writing on the back page of the last page of a notebook, that's what you feel. And to be honest, I, you know, even when I was talking to, to um, that employee today, uh, is one of my supervisors, she's lefty, I'm lefty. And I was saying, yeah, the notebooks. And we were goofing around. And she, go, she said, actually, I write in reverse. Um, she goes to the last page of those spiral notebooks and she writes her notes and then she goes backwards in the notebook oh. because that's what's most comfortable to her. Um, but if you ever want to, as a righty, experience what that feels like that that's really what you could do is hmm. is do it in that way and now you feel what that metal feeling is on your hand every time you have to write in a spiral notebook i did uh, use a pair of left-handed scissors once uh tried to use them in my right hand and that was very <laughs> uncomfortable so I, mm-hmm. I i get the pain a little bit there too yeah that hurt in elementary school too oh i can imagine i think it it's what we're talking about is a concept and another thing i was hoping we would get to talk about today is is a concept of uh, ableism which is a term that we're hearing a little bit more um, more frequently now. And so ableism is the tendency to look at people with a disability as incomplete or diminished or damaged and to measure the quality of life of someone who has a disability against someone who doesn't have a disability and also to look at the world from a perspective of someone who doesn't have a disability and have sort of that inability to consider what it might be like for other people to to experience the world. And so I think that's, you know, something we talk a lot about definitions and words mm-hmm. and what's, Im- what's important to, uh, to different people. And that, I think, is a concept that we can all keep in mind. And, you know, there are mm-hmm. very small adjustments that we can make on a daily basis that might just make the world a little bit better for somebody else to experience. It's almost similar to, in a way, it's, it's, it's I, I want to say it's like a, a microaggression in some cases, too, yeah. um, even though it might not be directed at that person. You might not specifically be going to that person and saying something, but yep. sometimes that casual language on the side, like, um, you know, you're looking for your glasses and you can't find them and then you're on the, and they're on your head. The first thing that you say is, ah, oh, I'm so blind. 
right? Yeah. You don't even think mm-hmm. about, is there somebody that might be blind, that might be legally blind or, or blind period around you? How right. would they feel if you said that? Or, you know, right. um, you know, I, I, and uh, there was one time where I was um, sitting and we were, I was in, a, in an interview process um, and um, the person that we were interviewing was, was making a comment and said, um, yeah, it's, you, you know, I just, I, I, I'm so ADHD. And I'm like, since mm-hmm. when is ADHD a so, right? It's not an yep. adjective. It's not how you describe yourself. It's a condition, yep. right? So, um, you know, something, something like that, or I'm, I, you know, I'm having a bipolar day. You don't have a bipolar mm-hmm. day. Um, so OCD is another one I hear oh, a lot. Yeah, I'm I have so OCD. OCD. I'm so yeah. OCD. Yep. yep. Or, yep. or, you know, even when we think of, of, of and, and, you know, you were talking about pride and, and I remember you talking about that concept of that, that's gay, right? Um, it's mm-hmm. almost the, it's yep. the same when they go, oh, I'm so retarded. Did you, yeah. did you really just oh. say oh. that? <laughs> or, or you beat me to lame, it. Yeah. Or that yes. lame, um, you know, or, yep. you know, it's it's just, it's some of those pieces out there that you that you sit back and you're like, ouch. And, and I think sometimes I wasn't even so prevy to it until I started mm-hmm. to have this experience at home with my son. And, and I, all of a sudden it hurt a little bit closer. It, it yes. hurt a little bit more, and I realized that ooh, that's that's not nice, and and that's not that's not what you what you want to hear, and and you know even somebody talking about somebody else, I think they're off their meds today. What what did yep. you just say? Yes. Like don't say things like that, and mm-hmm. and it's not to me that's that's part of that ableist behavior. Yeah, because, I agree. Because you're 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 not realizing that that those terminologies are are not appropriate and they never have been. I mean, they were used to describe or, or put things in perspective of somebody who had a disability and the treatment of, of people with disabilities, um, just overall in, in the world, in the past. I mean, you think about, um, you know, people with disabilities, whether physical or mental were just, you know, in some cases put away into institutions, um, you know, and, and, and you think about just, where where we have come as a country um as a world in regards to the different assistances that there are out there um the different treatments and and the the different ideals that there are even with employers and to think that we're still using some of this terminology sometimes does hurt and and i think that's where that that ableist mentality comes through one thing we're going to talk about at on, in a future episode at some point is the concept of allyship yeah. in other words how to be mm-hmm. a good ally to somebody in a minority community. And one of the best things I think anybody can do is, you know, when somebody when somebody calls out a word that you might be using that you're used to using as, hey, this this actually could be a really hurtful word, mm-hmm. just stop using the word. It's I, you know, you you mentioned the R word. I can't even say it out loud, but you mm-hmm. mentioned the R word a moment ago. And my brother, I was twelve when my brother was born. And before he was born, this is a really common word that kids yeah. that I grew up with used, mm-hmm. and I am positive I used that word too. Mm-hmm. But it became personal when my brother was born, and you know became who he is. And if somebody if somebody comes to you and says, "Hey, you know, please don't use that word. That's really hurtful to me." Yes. It's not a judgment. It's just a, "Hey, just so you know." And the best thing you can do is just 
stop. Exactly. I, you know, I can't tell you the number of times I've actually, you know, stopped a conversation because of the R word. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. I, it, you have to raise the level of awareness. You have to have some some leadership kind of courage mm-hmm. um, in the situation to use it as an educational, you know, moment. Um, yeah. And so there are plenty of times that you, you may think that word is funny and it's in a joke, but it is really, really um, a derogatory term for yeah. for a lot of people. And so we have to make sure that we're not having fun at the expense of someone else. Yep. Um, you know, you have fun, but we never want to do it at someone else's expense. And it's yeah, a var- sure. I think there's a variety of terms. I mean, that's more on the aggressive end, yes. but even something as simple as, mm-hmm. as calling somebody stupid or saying that's stupid mm-hmm. um, or, or that's idiotic or you're, or and that person was an idiot when they cut me off. Those are just as bad. It's just as bad. And sometimes it's, it, it is, um, you know, an, an awareness and, and an accountability to self and, a, and, a, and having an accountability partner. I think, you know, even, even in my case, I, you know, I used to use the, the, the word stupid all the time. And now I've kind of, I've curved myself to, and I always tell my husband, like, keep me honest, keep me whole. You hear me using that yeah. word, stop mm-hmm. me because so many years yep. of, of utilizing it, sometimes it's just second nature to utilize. And, and I think that that it, Part of the process yeah. is being aware of those those uh, you know not necessarily bias but those those terms that we just casually use that we shouldn't be using yep. and and that mm-hmm. goes across you know that's why I said it's very similar to you know things that are that are similar to stereotypes and microaggressions regardless because there are things there where we're we're so ingrained in using in casual language that sometimes we don't even think about how it can impact somebody else. Yeah, I'm going to be a little vulnerable here. And, and there is a word that you mentioned, which is lame, which is a word that is a part of my vo- vocabulary. And I had never even considered mm-hmm. that it might not be the right word to say. And so moving forward, what I'm going to do is just do my best to remove that from my vocabulary. Because the nice thing about the languages we speak is there are a lot of words. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's ever going to be hard up for a word to use. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are many, many that we can replace it with. And, you know, I think that's part of, you know, the um, the uh, the positive side of having this type of conversation yeah. is just raising that level of awareness and know, knowing that you're not going to get it 100% correct all of the time. And, you know, it's just part of evolving to kind of be a better person and understanding the, the impact. And I also think, you know, you can always go uh, beyond that, too. You know, it's always opportunities to give back, you know. And so, uh, you know, I often look for those opportunities within the community to keep myself educated around what might be needed, um, just so that I understand, you know, where and 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 express my gratitude for how fortunate, um, you know, I've been, but also help and look for opportunities to help uh, help others. So yeah, um, those are extremely rewarding opportunities for me. I think it's great when you can do it uh, within, you know, the company or the organization that you're a part of, but also just making it a part of your your personal life. Uh, yeah. You know, something that I do with my sons all the time. It's important. Yeah, one of my favorite um, my favorite examples of that is so I have a nephew who will be five next month, and it's my best friend. His name is Oliver. And uh, I, I love the world Oliver is growing up in because he has an uncle who's gay and he has an uncle who has a disability yes. and he's being raised by a single mother. And he just has this all these great strong women in his mm-hmm. life. And it, I think I look at him and I think, OK, kid, you're going to you're going to be good. You're going to be OK. Absolutely. <laughs> I could not agree more. Yeah. And you know what? I, I also just want to don't want to be remiss, too, as um, we all have this wonderful opportunity in working for paychecks because we have these great 
uh, benefits. And, you know, sometimes we just have to remind each other that those benefits are there. Um, you know, the the idea that the organization wants to be focused on your well-being from a health perspective, but also your life outside of work in mm-hmm. terms of your financial well-being, your uh, mental well-being. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are really important uh, benefits that we offer. And sometimes we just forget that they're there. And so, the, to the extent that we can kind of keep it at the forefront and help share the knowledge and, and um, make uh, make our colleagues aware. We never know what an individual is going through. The, the disability isn't necessarily physical, as we mm-hmm. have already stated, um, but we have so many resources that are available that we can take advantage of that are quite helpful. Yeah, but being mm-hmm. that this is a safe space, I'll tell you, I've used the EAP, great. and it's a great resource. And mm-hmm. Any, I encourage anybody out there who, mm-hmm. who has never heard of it or never looked into it, take a look because it can be helpful for really yeah. anybody. And I think even and even beyond the EAP, you know, whether you have a disability or you're caring for somebody that has a disability, there is that mm-hmm. ADA and FMLA, that American Disabilities Act is, is an amazing resource yes. for our, our employees who do have a disability that um, does limit them from being able to come in for, to work for a variety of different reasons. And, and and being able mm-hmm. to work through that program and, and through our, our vendor to to get that protection. I know myself, being the parent of, of an autistic child, um, or I should say a child with autism, because some people don't like the term autistic either, um, but uh, dealing with a child mm-hmm. that lives with autism, um, you know, I have that in my back pocket, that if my son is going mm-hmm. through a phase, because with autism, you can have regressions and you can have proactive measures moving forward. But I know if my son is going through a, a, a regression and I need to take that time off or I need to be out for additional appointments or I need to be out for EIP meetings um, or IEP meetings, should I say, um, you know, or I need mm-hmm. to be out to go and get him an evaluation and it requires me to be in and out, in and out, um, that I have that, that FMLA protection there to help me um, mm-hmm. be able to have that work-life balance that I need and not have to worry about, am I going to lose my job because I've been out, you know, three times this week mm-hmm. for appointments. Um, so I think it's important yeah. that those benefits are utilized when they are. They're, they're, they're there to help the employees and, and to protect them. I agree. Absolutely. And as your coworkers, how can we help you when you are in a situation like that? I think it's, it's, it's again, starting from curious. Um, we don't always, yeah. mm-hmm. are, we're not going to always share everything. In fact, with my son, when my son was first diagnosed, I didn't share that up front um, for a little while. Um, I, I, I had to process that information. I had to um, bring my parents and, and, and into that conversation. I need to process their feelings about it and had them understand what it is because I think with any disability, um, if you're a parent and you're dealing with it, sometimes there's this shock that you go through and there's this processing mm-hmm. to sure. realize its reality and so for some time, no one here um, at Paychex knew. Um, the only person mm-hmm. that knew was my direct leader. Um, she knew. And, you know, I had given her permission to, to tell her leader because he was my leader previously. And I felt it was important, but I couldn't talk to it. I, I couldn't even say the phrase, um, you know, autism spectrum disorder without crying because I just didn't, I didn't. No, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know where I was. I didn't I, I didn't know how to process it. Um, I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what it meant for my son in the future. And so 
starting from curious when you have a peer that is out of the office a lot is number one because you don't know you don't know what they're going through you yeah. don't know what they have going on at home um you don't know yeah. what they're dealing with and and i think sometimes it can be very easy to get so busy or so inundated with work that when we see a peer be out of the office we might say here we go again or this person is always mm -hmm. out yeah, or this, and, and you really have no idea with what they're dealing with, the emotions that they have to deal with, the extra appointments they have to deal with, everything, the processing. So I, I think it starts with that. It starts with being curious and, and having that open mind. Um, and hopefully eventually they'll come around to share and be proud and what they're, what they're dealing with and the hurdles and, and, and pieces that have come through. But I remember my son was diagnosed in January, um, and I did not share anything until, um, April and, and it was a push. It was, it was a push because, yeah. you know, somebody said, somebody told me at home and somebody told me, my leader here told me it's Autism Awareness Month. Just keep that in mind. And I said, you know what? I feel like it's important for me to share my story and share it now. Um, but, you know, even the process to that diagnosis, we had to wait three months on a wait list to even be seen by a doctor. And nowadays, the wait list is right. six to 12 months. So uh, we, wow. I processed that for, you know, three months of is he isn't he, does he, doesn't he, and then had that diagnosis sure. and then had to process another three months with this is reality. This is what I have to go through. This is what I have to bring him through. And it's funny, you were talking about um, guardianship, Karen, and that's conversations that we're now having is, okay, um, you know, who will be my son's guardian? And, and, and if my son mm -hmm. is at that point, um, you know, when he's an adult where he can't fend for himself, who will be his guardian? And, and, you know, it's funny you right. know, as a parent, sometimes you, you, you go through this phase where the biggest fear in life is, is, and I think every parent could agree is losing a child early. And for me, it's actually started to reverse itself. I start to, my biggest fear in life is what happens to my son the day I'm no longer here. And, mm -hmm. and, and it's, That's, it's deep, it's deep yep. to go there. It really is deep to go there and to process those emotions and those changes. So it's a lot. It is a lot. You're 100% correct. I, you know, I, I know that my parents went through that same thing and, you know, the best thing you can do is just reassure them. I'm going to love, I'm going to love Connie, um, just as you loved uh, Connie as a, as a child, I'll love her as my sibling yeah. and I'll, you know, kind of be there for her. And I know that's, uh, that's really, really uh, an important uh, concern for a parent, um, you know, and you, you just have to put yourself in that person's shoes and you have to ask. And I'll often ask, you know, is there anything I can do? Or I'm thrilled when someone asks me, is there anything I can do to help you as you try to support Connie and, and her husband? And I'll say, you know, simple things like, hey, you know, her birthday is going to be next week. Do you mind giving a call and just saying happy birthday? She loves that. You know, so it's little things that you can do, but just asking and, and having people around you that know that you're uh, important, that this is important to you, that recognize that, and they want to help you um, in, you know, just give them the opportunity to, to help and support. And just get to know them better. You hear so much about their story exactly. as you learn about them. I mean, I, we have mm -hmm. an, a, an employee who I've gotten to, to know over the last four or five years who has a disability, but even in, in getting to know him better, um, you know, just, just 
what he goes through, what he feels, um, the fact that, you know, it's a, it's a physical disability and he yet drives an hour every day when our office is open and we're not in that virtual environment. He drives an hour to the office and an hour back. And to me, I'm just so impressed by his strengths to be able to, to do that and go through that. So getting to know somebody, you hear so much about their strengths and, and that's important. Yes, it's a disability. Yes, there's something that maybe they have to work through, but they are so much stronger for it, regardless of what that is. They have all of these abilities on the side um, and these strengths upon strengths that I, I, as a person, would not be able to have. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a math nerd. That's why I said the graphite on, I had that for many years because I actually have um, my degree in mathematics. So I, I spent a lot of time with a pencil. Um, but, you know, I, my son hates math. Uh, he just can't, he, mm. he, he just doesn't do it. But the boy is six years both. old. Yeah. <laughs> but the boy is six years old and can read words like I've never seen. He, his reading his comprehension is not there. You can't ask him, you know, reading, reading comprehension questions. He might not be able to get it, but he, he could probably sit here and, and, and read the word intentionally inclusive at the age six. And I'm just impressed. I mean, he will sit there at yes. home and, and literally read titles of shows that we're watching and then request them later. Um, you know, right now, currently, his, one of his favorite movies is Star Wars. And the reason is for the intro all of the words and paragraphs that are going on the screen that are setting up the movie. He just loves to sit there and read through those words. So You know what? Somebody who loves Star Wars and hates math is just right right in my heart. So <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, listen, uh, so we could probably keep talking about this all day. It's been an amazing conversation, and I so appreciate both of you being here, but it is time to wrap up. So thank you both for sharing your story with us today, Karen and Liliana, both of you. Um, and thank you to the audience for joining us for another episode of Intentionally Inclusive. We'll be back again next month with another episode. And uh, August in the United States is National Civility Month. So we'll be talking about all the ways we can show love and support and, and respect for all of the folks in all of our communities. Uh, so join us next month. And uh, thanks again, everybody, for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. This podcast is property of Paychex Inc. 2021. All rights reserved.